and welcome to episode 26 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today for the first time are Rico and Jessica from the Always Critic podcast. Welcome to the podcast, guys. How are both of you tonight? We're doing well. Thank you for having us. It's so nice to be on. Um, I have an interesting story for what happened to me today, and I'll keep it extremely brief. But what happened was we live in Orlando and the Rise of the Resistance ride at Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios opened on Thursday. I thought that it would be a good idea to try and ride it today. So I woke up at 5 a.m. and me and my sister got to the park at 6 a.m., to wait in a line so that we could just press a button on our apps just to get into a boarding group. And 11 hours later, we ended up not riding the ride because it broke down while we were on it. Oh my God. You were yeah. on the ride? We were on the ride. Yeah. It, we were still like, the ride is so long that we were like a third of the way through it and we weren't on any like vehicles or anything yet. And they were like, okay, interrogations are over. And they like shuffled us off shuffled us off the ride and gave us a fast pass Jeez. to like come back the same day and we were like no we can't <laughs> so oh. i'm like extremely emotional like i don't think i've ever done such a long disney day i'm like a come at noon leave by 3 p.m sort of deal <laughs> yep mm. so rico how was your day my day was not as eventful as that uh mostly furniture shopping but other than that um my day was relaxed <laughs> okay that's good so was mine I watched all three of the original trilogy Star Wars today. I woke up at nine and just nice. stayed inside. I'm in Boston and it is very cold. So any excuse to not oh. go outside is. Yeah. I'm originally from Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm yeah, very so you familiar know. with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, all about the team. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best you have. <laughs> That's the best I have. Yeah. Um, so, Brent's. Uh, there you yes, go. Red Sox. Yes. There you go. You got it. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh God, if I got it wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. Red Sox is so good. Embarrassing. I'm actually recording like two minutes walk from uh, Fenway Stadium. So. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. really see it close. out the window. You know, I always ask my guests for the first time being on the podcast, have either of you ran a marathon? That's kind of our niche thing here. So, so no, no, I got peer pressured into running a 10K in January so that I'm not prepared for it all. So mm -hmm. that's the most that I will run and probably ever will run. Okay. Um, that's a no for me. I've done a 10K, uh, Tough Mudder. Oh, that's yeah. the most I've done. And uh, it was fun, but I wouldn't do that again. I would run again, but not You wouldn't that. do that again in a row and then an additional like two or three more times? No, no, not at all. No. Not at all. It's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> so welcome to another Decade Marathon episode, looking at the best films of the 2010s. Today, we'll be running through our top five comedy films of the last decade. So in case this is your first episode in this format, I'll just explain how it goes really quickly. Rico, Jessica, and I will take turns counting down our top five films, starting at number five. In the likely case of overlapping entries, we'll discuss the film the first time it appears on any of our lists. And I'll say here that these are personally subjective lists and that we obviously have not seen every comedy of the last decade. Comedies specifically are very subjective, so this is a disclaimer that these lists are, of course, completely and personally subjective. And for spoilers, you know, spoilers are fair game for any and all entries on the list. If there's a massive spoiler coming, we'll do our best to give you a fair warning. And I will also provide timestamps in the show notes for each film, you know, in the event that you want to skip that section to avoid spoilers on a specific film. 
And lastly, we'll be skipping the usual point two section to give more time to discuss these films. So guys, I wanted to start by asking you just your overall impressions of comedy offerings in the last decade. Was this particularly difficult for you to narrow down your list to five choices? For me, absolutely not, because there were such slim pickings that I was like, okay, my top five is easy to put together. I would say that comedy in the last decade, for me, felt very weak. Okay, how about you, Rika? Uh, for me, uh, once I got it down to like a 11 and 10, like, because I was breaking down like all the different movies, and you got to start eliminating stuff like, oh, like Deadpool, that's more of a superhero movie than a comedy, you know, and all these genre movies. So when you narrow it down to just like pure comedy stuff, I was able to get it down to 10. That's where I started having a bit of a problem, but I was finally able to get it down. The really good is really good, but then there's like a lot of just crap. Mm-hmm pretty much so yeah i was closer to jessica i think where i was actually kind of struggling to fill in my fifth spot not so much that you know there aren't films that were worthy of the fifth spot but just because Mm. there wasn't anything that i was desperately couldn't live without in that fifth spot so um yeah i was pretty underwhelmed by when i was going through the list i was like oh i kind of like that one Mm mm-hmm but I, I do have a couple on here that I do absolutely adore. But the last one that I did with this, which was animation, it was kind of painful to leave off some of those films. And oh, oh, I bet. I feel yes. that. I, don't, I didn't feel anything like that for leaving off some of the films here. Mm-hmm. Rico, you mentioned that you were kind of looking at specific comedies. That's a good segue into my other question, which was how did you go about creating the list? Um, what did you kind of define as a comedy? Because I know that's a pretty, you know, catch-all term. Very, some- yeah, it's a catch-all <laughs> term. So what I did was I started going through movies and I went through either IMDb or Letterboxd and I searched comedy. And so it gives you a wide range of movies, things that you wouldn't even consider a comedy. And I just started eliminating and I just – I started putting onto a list pretty much. You know, this is what I consider like is comedy the main focus of the movie? Is it – we're going to try to make you laugh for the next hour and a half, two hours. Or is the focus like rom-com where comedy is second to romance or, you know, Deadpool where superhero is first, then comedy. So I started eliminating until I got to mostly comedies. There's still genres in there, you know, mm-hmm. buddy action or maybe a little rom-com. But for the most part, comedy had to be the main thing in the movie. Jessica, are you similar? Yeah, it was pretty similar for me. I tossed out things that were like, I mostly went through Letterboxd and I, you know, of the films that I had watched, went through only comedy and then I went by my rankings and that was like eye-opening to me because <laughs> I, I'm ex- extremely hard on films, I feel like, when it comes to rankings, ranking them out of five stars. And so I was seeing like no five star things, only four star. And then it quickly devolved into like three and a half stars because apparently I don't like comedies. Um, but <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was, um, pretty eye opening. And again, it was quick for me. We, I think we were like sitting in the theater about to watch a movie and I like finished right before the previews ended. So it was quite easy for me, but again, there were some things like my number five spot was was pretty difficult. And I had two movies that were really close to being the number five. But I ended up going with like the more unusual choice, I guess. Mm. So okay. the more obscure movie that I was like, okay, no, this was I remember like dying of laughter. So 
I went with that one for my number five. And then everything else was easy. Okay, well, let's jump straight into it then. Jessica, what's your number five film? My number five film is a Korean film from 2017 called Midnight Runners. I'm, you know, not going to really bother like going into who it who is in it. It's pretty well established in these guys are pretty well established in Korea. But it's a buddy action comedy. Um, IMDb says two friends who are students at Korean National Police University find themselves in an endless race against time after they witness a kidnapping and decide to use their knowledge. So <laughs> they, it's it's so funny because this bromance that develops in the movie is like hilarious. And then this very serious thing happens to them and they're like two punks trying to figure it out. So it's really good and... You you really, I think you buy into like the bromance more than anything because this unbelievable thing happens and they're really not getting any support for what's happening because they do go to the cops, but they're cops in training. So they know some stuff, but not everything. And it's, it's good. It's really funny. I don't, I don't remember too many specifics. I watched it so long ago, mm-hmm. but I yeah. absolutely remember how it made me feel. And it just left me with such a feeling that was like, oh, my God, it was amazing. I couldn't believe how good it was and how funny it was and just endearing. So I listened to your guys' Parasite review, and I think you were saying that you're kind of a Korean film yes. connoisseur, so I, I guess. A lot of, no, I don't want to say connoisseur because there's a lot of stuff that I haven't watched. But I certainly watch a good amount, and I'm a really big fan of um, K-movies and K-drama. And it's really hard to split my attention, my attention between, you know, stuff that's in theaters and we have to watch it and it's for the podcast or I really just am interested in this, especially during this season, which is Oscar season. Um, and yeah. then watching stuff that I like, I personally really want to watch the show, but, you know, I have all these other competing interests. So do you think that this is uh, one that is recommendable? Yes, I would definitely recommend it. And it's appealing to people who you know, aren't used to watching subtitles, um, aren't used to even like the culture of Korea because the action and the comedy go so well hand in hand. And again, like it's a bromance. So there's a lot of like bromance comedies, even in like Western cinema that you can relate and it's not going to be unfamiliar to audiences. So again, highly recommend it. I'm not giving too much away because I honestly don't remember details, but (laughs) what's the name of it again? Midnight Runners. Midnight Runners. Rico, have you seen this? I actually have not. Okay. I've never even heard of it, so. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Interesting. Starting with a very, very indie choice. Yeah. (laughs) Rico, what's your number five? Uh, My number five, uh, man, it was tough to narrow down this fifth spot, but I decided to go ahead and go with the movie Ted. It has been said that magic vanished from our world a long time ago. But if there's one thing you can be sure of... I wish you could really talk to me. It's that nothing is more powerful than a young boy's wish. You're my best friend, John. I love you. But eventually, everyone grows up. Taking Lauren to dinner. You don't think she's going to be expecting something big, do you? It's been four years, Johnny. You and me have been together for 27 years. Where's my ring? Huh? Where's my ring? Put it on my fuzzy finger. Where's my ring? Come on. Knock it off. I know. I'm just saying. Man. 
That's my bad. I was sending a tweet. John. Hi, Thomas. How are you? Okay. Yeah. So this is Mark Wahlberg and the teddy bear voiced by Seth MacFarlane. Uh, this is from 2012. This movie was, I, I saw it with my brother for the first time um, when it came out and we just died laughing because there's so many things being from Massachusetts, they really like emphasize um, because it's Mark Wahlberg. So the Boston accent is there. It takes place in Boston. So there's a lot of jokes that if you live there, you'll totally get. Um, but even if you don't, like there's just a lot of like awkward comedy just spread out throughout the movie. And it's all involving a teddy bear, a teddy bear that's come to life. And at the very beginning of the movie, you know, it's like this crazy thing that a bear came to life. But as it's grown older, now it just becomes part of daily life. Like he walks around the street. And it's like, hey, Ted, what's up? And He's just like in that very Peter Griffin from Family Guy voice. That's pretty much the voice. I really find it to be hilarious throughout. Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid movie. And I think it's probably my favorite of the Seth MacFarlane directorial, you know, feature film kind of things. I don't know. Did he direct that? Uh, Actually, he did. Okay. Yeah. Jessica, have you seen Ted? I have not seen Ted. You haven't? No, I haven't seen Ted. It is not the kind of movie that I normally would go out and be like, oh, I have to see this movie. Even the trailer, I was like, oh, this is not for me. It, It's not, just not for me. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, from the Family Guy school of comedy. Yes, so. and, and, and Rico loves Family Guy and loves that brand of comedy and appreciates it. And it's something that I just can't get it to. <laughs> that's that's totally fair I, there it is <laughs> yeah i i kind of love family guy as well and i think that film does a pretty good job at taking that premise and i would say it's got like an hour of comedy which i think is fair sometimes you know the problem with some of these comedy films like even the ones on i'd say on my list like they have a concept that's really great for like an hour and then you know they have to do at least 80 minutes so there's 20 minutes that you're like okay i don't really need that but I do think that Ted is definitely a film that is worth watching if you you know you like that type of comedy. I, I'll still never forget because my brother brings it up all the time. There is a scene where they're in a restaurant and some girls, basically she's like this trashy girl from a little town right outside of Boston, and she's like talking crap to Mila Kunis's character, and she in the Boston, the most Boston accent possible. She's like, you better not show your face in Quincy. And we died laughing <laughs> every single time. And my brother will bring it up just randomly. He'll just like shout it out to me in the other room. You better not show your face in Quincy. Uh, die every time. I love it. So Rico's number five is Ted from 2012. So my number five was, like I said, a bit tough to pin down. I ended up going with a m- very recent one which I'm not super confident on because I've only seen it once and it may be a recency bias kind of thing, but my number five is Booksmart. It's on my list. Okay, what? where is it on your list? It's on my list as well. I have it at number two. Oh my God, so do I. Wow, okay. So yeah, let's get into it. So Booksmart, just for people who haven't seen it, it's uh, directed by Olivia Wilde. It's actually her debut film. It stars Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever and they play two high school seniors, Molly and Amy. They are, as the title suggests, book smart, but, you know, they've never gone to a high school party. 
So on the night before graduation, they kind of decide to go on a party and they find out what they've been missing. I think an uncharitable read of this film is Female Superbad. But mm-hmm. even that is a pretty solid read, I would say, because Superbad's a pretty good movie. But I think this is a much, much better film than mm-hmm. Superbad. Why is this so much higher on your list? Um, I remember when we first saw it and it it took us by surprise because I think that we we went in knowing that it would be a comedy. Like it's it's two f- uh, females leading this comedy. Yeah. But we just I guess we weren't expecting how funny it was going to be throughout and also that it pays a lot of attention to the emotions and the feelings of our two characters. Um, as the movie progresses, yeah, we have all the funny antics that happen. But then you see, like, at their core, what is it that makes them friends? And also, what is it that drives them away from each other in a way? What mm-hmm. makes them different? Um, we get to see their emotional side, their vulnerable side, because they're, they're very headstrong and they think, you know, they put on this facade of, you know, we are smart and we don't need anyone. We're independent, but deep down, you know, they still want to be part of the part of everyone, part of the crew, part of the popular kids. Um, You know, you have Caitlin Deaver's character who uh, wants to experience her first kiss, you know, and you have Beanie Feldstein who, She says that she doesn't like the vice president of the student (laughs) government, but she has a huge crush on him, you know? So just like little things like that, I show it just shows a lot of care was put into it. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned bromance in my first movie. I think there is a, um, what is it? Sisterhood or something that's happening in Booksmart. Their chemistry is so believable. You love them. You love to see them as best friends and, I think that that's part of what sold it for me is that it seems so genuine. Yes, for sure. Everything feels so earnest in the film. And I think one of the reasons for that is that all the characters, they start as these very stereotypical high school cutouts. You know, you've got the mean girls and the really weird kid and, you know, the the book smart girls. And Olivia Wilde does a really good job at peeling back those characters and showing that all these people, I think every single one, even like... Um, the guy who becomes a Google coder, the he's, uh, I think, I believe he's Native American. Yeah, and he has the really long hair. Yeah, like even he has a little bit of depth to him that gets kind of shown t- as the film goes on. And I thought that was really nice to say that, you know, mean girls aren't just mean and nice girls aren't just nice. And everybody kind of has a reason for the way that they're behaving. And I thought it was a really interesting and complex look at high school stereotypes. Yeah, and and there's one thing we can't forget, and it's Billy Lord as Gigi. Mm -hmm. Like, her character is just, every time you think that the movie's going to, like, get back to a normal track, Gigi just shows up out of nowhere and just wreaks havoc. She, per minute of screen time, she is probably the most interesting character I saw in a movie this year. Because she just shows up, and she's just you know, going a hundred miles an hour. It's, it's fantastic. Definitely. I'll mention something that's like kind of personal the way that I took this in high school. I basically was these girls where I Mm. worked really hard in school and I didn't drink or party or anything like that. And you developed, or at least I did, I developed this weird inferiority and also superiority complex because of it. So I told myself that, you know, I'd be rewarded for being, you know, focused and a quote unquote good kid or whatever by getting into a good college 
so I applied to, you know, like Stanford and a bunch of Ivies. And at the end, I ended up not getting into any of them. And that sucked at the time. I mean, I ended up going to a great university or whatever. But seeing Beanie Feldstein's character kind of deal with the realization that, hey, you know, you're not better than any of your classmates because you don't party and all these people are going to be fine. You you don't have to sacrifice fun uh, for your future. That really hit me pretty hard. I was really surprised that a character in a movie and like specifically a high school comedy was dealing with something that like I didn't think that anybody else was dealing with. So I, I, I really love this movie. Yeah, it's really good. Um, the other thing I want to say is there's uh, the guy who I think is, is he dating Billy Lord's character, Skylar Gazondo? Skylar Gazondo, yes. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> yes. Everything he's in, love that guy. So, love him. Great cast, everything. Yeah. I've watched the opening again just in preparation for this and just the the scene of the guy announcing that they're doing Shakespeare in the spa, in the park and it's something that they did <laughs> in Barcelona just oh, kills me like oh, I love that, that so much. too in the theater because it's such an in like I don't know if everyone knows that but like Spaniards speak with a lisp and so it's something that like everyone else who speaks Spanish without a lisp is like rolls their eyes at. And so when they did it, it was like, oh. And it's like specifically when white kids go to and study abroad, they're like, oh, now I'm I'm in and I'm going to do it. It's just right, it's so right. funny. It hit it like nailed it right to the T. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's my number four was Booksmart 2019. Uh, it was both of your number twos, correct? Yep. Correct. Okay. So, Jessica, what's your number four? My number four is Girls Trip, also yeah. from 2017. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day of life. My heart is so full of joy for these women right here. Lord, please make sure that Lisa don't get an STD and that nobody has kidney failure because we finna get messed up and let me get pregnant by somebody rich. That's all I ask. Amen. We haven't hung in five years. I miss you guys. We need a girl's trip. That's my car. Not anymore, baby. What if I just whip out my titties, you know? Okay, a titty. I'll take a titty for a bike ride. You sure you want to get turned this weekend with your girls? I say this out of love. Preach, girl. Mm. If you are going to come along with us, please refrain from saying things like preach or go girl or any other colloquialisms that you may have looked up on Urban Dictionary. Girl, bye. Yes, my girl. Uh, stars Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, Regina Hall, and um, Tiffany Haddish. This is our intro to Tiffany Haddish, basically. And I had a ball watching this movie in the theater i had such a good time i thought it was fantastic um i thought it was smart i thought it was sexy i thought it all these things all the best things you can think about a comedy and i love that it was like women of color bringing it jada pinkett smith who i think is like extremely serious like i just get that vibe from her she was in this movie and poking fun at herself and it was great okay awesome i actually haven't seen girls trip you should watch it. You should watch it. It's it's a certain type of movie. Definitely recommend it. It was I left it right on the cutting room floor. It oh, just missed bro. out on the top five. Yeah, it was great. Highly recommend. This is it was just one of those ones that like, you know, by the time it got on my radar, it was just gone. And yeah. 
it's so hard to go back to films from like two or three years ago for for whatever yes. reason. Like they don't yes. feel uh, relevant. I feel the same way where it's like, you know, if I miss it in theaters and it's only like a year or two years old, like I'll, it takes me forever to get around to watching it. Okay, definitely, definitely we'll check out Girls Trip now. Yes. So that's, uh, hopefully it's on HBO or something. But Rico, what's your number four? My number four is Game Night from 2018. That is a good one. Game Night is my number three movie. Hey, look wow. at that. Hey. <laughs> guys got good synergy over there. Okay. Yeah, what's going on? Why are you stealing all my picks? Well, I, <laughs> I said this movie first. So uh, the movie stars Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, uh, Billy Magnuson, Ch- Kyle Chandler. Uh, basically, it Max and Annie, who are Bateman and McAdams, they have a weekly game night. And so it gets kicked up a notch when Max's brother, played by Kyle Chandler, sets up a murder mystery party. And so, you know, with fake thugs, fake federal agents, but then it turns out that he gets really kidnapped, like for real. But everybody (laughs) else does not know that he got kidnapped by real thugs that apparently he owed money to. So uh, this movie is hilarious. It is funny from, from the beginning to the end. I think that McAdams gets to show off like some really funny bits that you don't really get to see too much. I think the last time you really got to see some funny stuff from her was back in Wedding Crashers, just to show that she could go back and forth with the other characters or just with anyone. I really like the direction of the movie, the way it was shot, because there's moments. It has a tilt shift. Yeah, tilt shift shift where it makes like the town or wherever there are, it looks like a game board. Oh, yeah. And it fades into the scene. And it was fantastic the way they did that. That camera work was great. Yeah, overall, I just, I really enjoyed this movie. And it was a surprise, too, because it was one of those movies that came out in February, which usually is not a good month for movies to be released. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. This was one that I missed when it first came into theaters and then I heard so much buzz about it that it was one of the ones that I watched on like a long plane. Yes, same. I watched it on an airplane and I was really? yeah. tackling on the airplane. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. it's a great airplane movie because it's just always going. Like there's always something going and the characters are fantastic. Rico, what's, who was your like favorite character? Was it Rachel McAdams? She's she's up there, but I think it was uh, Billy Magnuson's character who yeah. was like the <laughs> like the douchey guy who's always bringing a new date to every single weeknight, every single game night, and like he's too dumb for the new girl that he brought. And I thought his character was hilarious throughout the movie. Yeah, I I really like idiot characters in comedies when the comedy is written well, like when they know what to do with an idiot character instead of just giving them like banal poop jokes or whatever right when you have right. a dumb character be funny dumb it's so great i always love the denzel bit where she <laughs> she thinks she's love with denzel oh, and, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they finally reveal like the photo of her and denzel and he's like babe that's not denzel <laughs> that is fantastic uh the full circle on that was great someone else that we have to mention is jesse plantman's character yeah. the yes. cop Oh yes. my God, he is so creepy. Where do but you know it plays him from? funny. 
Where do you know him from? Where do I know him from? I know him from a couple places. Friday Night, Friday night, night Lights. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah, Friday Night Lights. He's um, a big Friday Night Lights person. Yeah, and just like him holding the dog every once in a while. And he's like so serious about everything, but he wants to play games. It just makes no sense how this character wants to be included in the game nights. It's hilarious. But overall, very enjoyable. That's why I have it at four. Jessica has it at three. And that was one of the ones that I was like kind of considering for that number five spot. My number four is What We Do in the Shadows from 2014. It's been like this the whole time. Deacon on dishes and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. Yeah, no, I know. Not a, I know. flat meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. <laughs> Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look, a ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent? But I don't. The trouble with being a vampire is you have to come in to the bar. Three dollars is Will you invite us in? We need some fresh blood. Hi, my name is Nick. I've been a vampire for two months. So what we do in the shadows, it's directed by Taika Waititi, and it's basically a mockumentary about a flat of vampires that's living in New Zealand. And if that doesn't sound funny to you, then I'm sorry, but it was so freaking funny for me. Like the first hour of this film is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, have you guys seen this? No, I haven't. I haven't I've been told it. to watch it yes. many times. Oh man, it is <laughs> so funny. I, I can't even, it's just such a brilliant concept for a mockumentary. Like I really like when a film just takes a trope or a genre of film and just takes it to its comedic but logical absurdities. So it's like, what would happen if vampires lived today and they had to share a flat? So <laughs> there's just things <laughs> where like they're arguing about cleaning the dishes because they don't like having guests over with a bunch of bloody dishes and it like zooms over to the dishes and there's just blood all over them because they're vampires. Um, or like they have to clean the flat and they're just vacuuming, but they're floating while they're vacuuming. Oh my God. Um, and they talk about killing, you know, virgins for the blood sacrifice and everything. And oh Taika Waititi plays the main, uh, vampire who's just super awkward. So he kind of brings a person over and like <laughs> lays down a uh, paper towel so that it doesn't make a mess when he, when they start bleeding everywhere. It's just... It is so clever and funny that they're like making their life just this mundane thing, but they're just vampires. So I don't know. I I would it. really recommend this one. Yeah. Um, it's in my, it's like been on my radar, but I just haven't watched it yet. And there's even a show right now on FX. Yes. Have you seen the show? No, I haven't seen the show either. So the show's a little weaker just because yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of mean to say this, but I guess it's like the B string kind of people gotcha it's not the exact same actors or anything but it's got a very similar sentimentality or sentiment so i guess if you didn't want to watch i mean it's only like 80 minutes but if you didn't want to watch a whole movie about it then 
you could get the gist of it and decide whether you think that's actually funny or not by watching like the 30 minute pilot of that show. Of the show. Gotcha. I think the only reason this is at four instead of like two for me is because it does that thing that I was mentioning where, you know, it's a great concept and then they kind of start reusing stuff towards the end where it doesn't totally sustain the full hour and 20 minutes or that it is. But I don't know. The first 30 minutes. So funny. Definitely recommend this one. Got it. Okay, so Jessica, did we already hit your th- number three? Yeah, because it was game night, so... Okay, and your number two, right? And my number two is Booksmart, yeah. Okay, so Rico, we'll just jump to your number three. Okay, so my number three is 21 Jump Street. Not so slim, Shady. What's up? Holy shit. I haven't seen you since high school. Hey, titty twister, titty twister. Stop, stop. Hold on. You're good at this, huh? Yeah. Test results, gentlemen. Such bullshit. You're really good at this. Yeah. Hey, you want to be friends? Fuck yeah, dude. You're ready for a lifetime of being badass motherfuckers. Oh, I am. God, dude, I thought this job would have more car chases and explosions and shit. No fucking way. If we could take them down, we'd be off park duty for sure. You guys, even real cops, look like kids on Halloween. Hey, you want me to beat your dick off? You want to beat my dick off? I think what he was trying to say was he's going to punch you so many times around the genital area that your dick's just going to fall off. Hail the conquering heroes. Got our first bust. Yes! Yes! You forgot to read him his Miranda rights. Do you even know the Miranda rights? (laughs) Look, it obviously starts with, do you have the right to remain an attorney? Did you say you have the right to be an attorney? You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to. Okay. Yes. That is my number one. That's your number one. Oh, That's look at that. number one. Oh, my God. I can't stand that movie. From 2012. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't stand that movie. Oh, wow. Okay. I remember watching it in theaters and going, I don't get it. Like, You're breaking my heart. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. It's Again, like it's, it's that kind of like comedy. It's a type. It's and I, so and I good. Can't. It really is. So it's directed by Lord and Miller. We have Channing Tatum. We have Jonah Hill, Brie Larson, Dave Franco, Ice Cube. Like this is a pretty stacked cast. So it's about two undercover cops who are sent back to high school to investigate this new drug that's being created. And so Ice Cube is the head of the undercover cop. And the jokes just are stacked to the brim in this movie that you just forget about so many things. And then when you rewatch it, you like remember that, oh, this joke's about to come up. And then it, it just kills every time. Ah, oh, I love this movie so much. I watch this at least once a year. I find something new every single time that I watch it. For you know, real, yeah. <laughs> the fourth time you watch it, you're like, oh, there's another joke. Something about, I, I said this on my other podcast because I talked about um, in the animation ones, I talked about Lego Movie, which is also Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Right. Just the way that they are able to make meta commentary about the movie that they're making and be self-aware about how stupid the projects they take on are. I It just works for me. Something about it is just so fantastic. I, I Yeah, they call attention to stuff. Like one of the jokes was when they're on the highway and there's the chase and they get into like this pink, uh, you know, VW and they're like shooting back and forth. And every time you think something's about to blow up, like a gas canister or anything, it doesn't blow up. 
Nothing happens. But then yeah. a car crashes into a truck full of chickens and that blows up. And then they call <laughs> attention to it. It's like, how the hell did that blow up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just little tiny things. Little There's tiny one things character like in this movie that just is on her phone the entire time. She's just sitting in the background, always on her phone. And it really? took me a couple watches. Oh, to just I, watch I haven't her. noticed that one. <laughs> I have not noticed that. It's um, just the deconstruction of high school, like from the 90s versus high school now. And I don't know. Everything is so clever about this movie. Jessica, I'm so sorry you don't like this movie. I wish yeah, I could like man, give you sorry. my happiness. This is, this is one where I actually can intelligently tell you that I watched it and I it didn't like it. <laughs> Versus <laughs> Ted totally where fun. I was like, I saw the trailer and I said, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. So I got farther with it. Yeah. But yeah, so th- that's my number three and I, I really love it, so. Awesome. And that is my number one. Taking my thunder, Rico. I will say, (laughs) I'm just kidding. The one thing I also really like about this is that it seems like every high school comedy has a drug scene and most of them like are pretty annoying and not very funny. And I thought this one is hilarious. The way they visualize it and they go through the, like the progression of it. And like, Mm -hmm. there's one part, I think I can't remember which phase it is, but it's like, um, like losing your shit balls or something like that, like just going like full mental and it's hilarious every time they show it. The track meet one for me, that's a very personal, obviously I love track and running and stuff, but when he does the track meet and like throws the baton and that, <laughs> Oh God, it's just so funny. It's so, so funny. And you know what? Channing Tatum really showed that he had the comedic yes. chops to do stuff like this with this movie. No, he didn't. He did it with She's the Man. Okay, okay. Say. Okay, let's take that back. Yeah. I'll take it back. Take it back. I'll take it that's back. A friggin she's the Man. Without with show no, no logic to it, I love She's the Man. So. She's the Man is a good movie. That's not 2010s, though, is it? No, it's no, not. No, it's not. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. way before, before. that. Uh, but uh, I think this really solidified him as an actual like comedian. Because before they were trying to like force him into Pretty Boy or action stuff. They were just trying to force him into that. But here he gets to have fun. And Jonah Hill is also just like firing at all cylinders as well. So everyone just came out and just jokes on jokes on jokes. Ice Cube. One of my favorite little bits is Jonah Hill's praying to the Jesus inside of the undercover layer in the church. And then Ice Cube opens the window. <laughs> hey, stop messing with Korean Jesus. You don't have you time, don't got for, time for your problems. He's busy with Korean shit. Yeah. I quote this movie all the time. It really is. It's so funny. Wonderful movie. So, okay. My number three is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I debated about putting this one on. This one almost made my list. It was very close. Because I I didn't know whether or not it was more comedy or if it was more like comic book genre. That's why it didn't make it. Okay, so it is based on a graphic novel, right? Yeah. Uh, Just for people who haven't seen it, Michael Sarah is Scott Pilgrim. He falls in love with Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, Ramona Flowers. But in order to date her, he has to fight her seven evil exes in these kind of like showdowns, musical showdowns. To me, it was more of a video game-esque thing than a comic book. But (laughs) this movie is just a visual delight. Oh Just the way God. that it plays around with all the video game aesthetics, 
it's so zippy and flashy, just, you know, like any other Edgar Wright styled film. But when you put somebody as goofy as Michael Sarah at the center, you just get this quirky and weird energy. It just works so well. And it is so funny. The characters and the dialogue is so sharp and well-written. And then it's visually really interesting too. Like it's got great special effects and music and everything. And speaking about a cast, that cast is stacked. Like you have Sarah, you have Brie Larson is the ex, one of the ex-girlfriends for uh, Michael Sarah's character. Uh, you know, you said Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You have Kieran Culkin, who's having a moment now with Succession on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Chris Evans. Chris Evans playing a bad guy before Knives Out made it cool. Yeah. <laughs> he is so great in that role. You have uh, Brandon Ralph, who was just coming off of like the Superman, you know, even, whether you like it or not, like he was coming off of that. And oh, Anna Kendrick, who plays mm-hmm. the sister, sister too. Yeah. And she's always like disappearing, just like every once in a while. It's like she he goes into the uh, the restaurant where she works like he was just on the phone with her. And then he walks in and when turns around, it's, um oh, what's her name? Now I'm blanking from Parks and Rec. Um, oh, um, you know who I'm talking about. Audrey Plaza. Yes. And she's like, Scott Pilgrim. And like, she like, with wide eyes and everything. And then he looks out the window and the sister's already with the jo- jacket and coat and everything. It's like, I gotta go. Oh, <laughs> man. Just visually, it is hilarious. Yeah. So there's like, you know, tiny things like he. Oh, so when he kills every single one of the exes, they burst into coins like yeah. in a video game. And then he goes, oh, money. And he like picks it up and puts <laughs> yeah. it in his pocket. Ooh, change. <laughs> Little things like that make the film really good. And they make it one of those films that when I show it to people, I always look to the person to be like, please tell me you're enjoying this as much as I am. Like, did you pick up on that? Did you pick up on that? Probably an annoying movie to watch with me. <laughs> I died with the uh, one of the ex- exes was, oh man, the girl that's like really short. And she's like a oh, voice actress as yeah, well. Yeah, May Whitman. Yeah, yeah. And she her her weakness was like her knees, like the back of her knees or something like that. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> so he just like touches it and she's like ah, and like goes down. <laughs> so yeah, good. Yeah, and I love how Michael Sarah is like, why and it's all in slow motion. Why the back of her knee? <laughs> Well, when we were together, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, really good. It's a great movie. It's got some great quotes to quote to, you know, I'm in lesbians with her, everything like that. Just (laughs) fantastic movie. I would definitely recommend checking it out. It did not make a lot of money when it first came out. Oh, no. Yeah, that's one of the things. This This movie opened me up to the world of like box office stuff because before I was like super naive, like, Oh, I saw a bunch of commercials. This is going to be a huge hit. And I remember seeing it in theaters and then it only made like, I I think, 10, 15 million dollars overall. Yeah. And so it's become a cult classic. So for sure, anyone who wants to get like a good laugh with a really good cast, like this is the movie. All right. So Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is my number three. Uh, Jessica, we already did your number two, Rico. And we also did your number two, right? Yes, we did. So... My number two is the Grand Budapest Hotel from Ooh, 2014. I was close to that one. I was close. It's good. It's just good. I think that um, I didn't laugh as much in that movie as much as I was like just enjoying it generally. Yeah, that is definitely a fair assessment. And I 
think that's with a lot of Wes Anderson ones. Yeah. The reason why I picked this one is because it's kind of baby's first Wes Anderson in the sense that it's not as bizarre or weird as some of the other ones. Mm hmm. So you can watch it and some of the the weird Wes Anderson-y parts of it yes. are, they're just charming and funny. And so I find it a lot funnier than something like Moonrise Kingdom, which is still funny. I liked Moonrise Kingdom more than Grand Budapest Hotel. Moonrise Kingdom makes me uncomfortable. Really? Something, is it because the Something kids? about it. Yeah, it's Centering the kids. Centering around and, kids? Yeah. Yeah, it's the kids. Mm. Yeah. They're like um, Boy Scouts or something. Yeah, it's, I it's think just, I liked it more. they're too young. But yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel has a huge cast. Yeah, that is a stacked cast too. I mean, too. that's another cast. Like, what is it? Ralph, Ralph Fiennes, Saoirse Ronan. Tilda is, Tilda's like a cameo in there and she's like buried under makeup. And like Bill Murray, Owen yeah. Wilson. Adrian they're all Brody. In there. Yeah, Ugh, just so all many. Willem Dafoe is in here and he's just like a Terminator kind of character. <laughs> oh, that's right. And then he's oh, about to kill M. Gustav. Spoiler, I guess, but whatever. And Zero just pushes him off the cliff while <laughs> Gusto is just giving a monologue. It's just everything in this is so silly and yeah. funny. I think I like the set design and the costuming and everything was just like top notch. And I appreciated like it was so colorful and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that I always think about with Wes Anderson is he's so he has a very well i want to say rigid but he has a style of his own it's very like dead on everything is framed exactly in a square the way he wants it and i can't help but think when snl did a parody of a wes anderson film and it was basically what if wes anderson did a horror movie and (laughs) so like you had Edward Norton pretending to be Owen Wilson. And it's like, wow, there's killers outside our house. And so then like they show like all these things that you would see in a Wes Anderson movie. Like they're getting their tools ready and it's like shot overhead. It's like knife, uh, ruler. The, and just like, oh my God, it is fantastic. Check it out if you get a chance. This is an SNL short. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love when SNL does stuff like that where they just, that's when SNL shines for me is poking fun at very specific things like that you know oh yeah for sure um yeah i mean this is definitely a wes anderson film i really like the set design where he will just decide that he wants to shoot on a diorama instead of with real people yeah you know when zero and willem dafoe and all of them are skiing down the mountain it's just clearly figurines that he pushed down a mount like a tiny little diorama mountain this film this is my kind of Go to quirky comedy that is a little less mainstream than something like, you know, 21 Jump Street. So, right. Definitely recommend the Grand Budapest Hotel. That's my number two. I've already given my number one, 21 Jump Street. I'm really interested to know what your guys' number ones are. So, I got a feeling that me and Jessica have the same one. No, you can't. I'll say it first Bridesmaids yep. from 2011. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> the rest of the bridal party. Come on. You have to punch it a couple times. You remember my cousin Rita? They just bought a new house. It is gorgeous. I wouldn't know. I only see the kitchen and the laundry room and the ceiling in my bedroom. Sometimes the floor. This is Becca from work. This is your husband? Oh, no, I don't know him. 
single. I was so distraught when I was single. And I'm fine being by myself. Oh, Becca. This is Dougie's sister, Megan. You must be Annie's fella. I'm not. He's not. I'm not with him. I'm glad he's single, because I'm going to climb that like a tree. You have to meet Helen. You're so pretty. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Did you come from work? What are we doing for the bachelorette party? What about, like, a princess theme? Versace meets the gold rush. I'm thinking tanned gentlemen that swallow fire and wear sarongs. Female fight club. We grease up. Surprise! Beat the crap out of her. I don't hate it. Vegas it is. Holy shit. I love that movie. I watch it to this day at least two, three times a year. It is hilarious. I quote it constantly. Um, I use the gifts from the movie constantly. I just, it's holds a special place in my heart because I watched it with um, a group of friends and it was all, all ladies. And then we left and we were like, oh my God, this movie was made for us. And it hit home. It was just perfect, pitch perfect. I can't praise it enough. Rico, what do you got to say about it? Uh, this was my introduction of Melissa McCarthy. What? You didn't watch Gilmore Girls? No, I did not watch Gilmore Girls. But for me, this was the introduction. She comes in at throwing 100 (laughs) miles an hour. It is ridiculous how funny she is from the moment she just, like, comes on screen. And one of the funniest bits is when, like, she is trying to seduce the U.S. Marshal on the plane, who is her husband husband in real real life. life. Oh, it's uh, Ben Falcone? Yeah, that's her husband. Yeah, that's her husband in real I did life. not know that. Okay. Yeah. He can go up and higher. And so, <laughs> oh my God. And like she sticks her leg up. Yeah, she like brings her leg up. <laughs> uh, oh, God. That is fantastic. Kristen Wiig, this proved that she could be a leading lady. Obviously, the supporting cast is great. Maya Rudolph is hilarious. Uh, this was my introduction of... Who was it? The blonde one. I believe that's Wendy McClendon Covey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my introduction to her. I don't even know who that is. So there's there's five bridesmaids. You have Kristen Wiig. You have Ellie Kemper, who's from The Office. Right. Uh, you have Rose Byrne, who is fantastic as like the antagonist, like <laughs> Miss Perfect. I yeah. think she's great. Melissa McCarthy. And then the final one was the blonde one. I think she's currently on the show, The Goldbergs on ABC. Unless oh, I'm getting the her. name yeah. wrong. Yeah. But I believe that's her. Uh, Rebel Wilson makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah, She's the roommate yes. to Kristen Wiig. She gets like an infected, like free tattoo. And oh, she's yeah, like, that's oh, right. look at it. And she's like, you should get that looked at because it's like red and inflamed and disgusting. And it's like a hideous <laughs> tattoo as well. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, man. John Hamm in this movie is such oh, an ass. Oh, my God. He is a, such a douche. And one of the times that he was like the douchiest was he like rolls in in his car. It's a convertible because, of course, it is. And he's like, <laughs> come on, get in. We don't have all day or something like that. Uh, he is such a douche. It's like for her car freaking broke down in the middle of nowhere. That's and right. he's like, let's get in. Like, oh my God. It, there's so many moments in this movie that that are memorable and stand out. Like when they go to the dress shop and they try on dresses and they all get sick. 
It's perfect. <laughs> yes, that is great. Or when uh, Rose Burns' character and Kristen Wiig are trying to one up each other on the toasts. And yeah. so they keep stealing back the microphone. Well, I just have one more thing. <laughs> Rico, I think you're probably the um, like bridge between me and Jessica because you like both Bridesmaids and 21 Jump Street. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of Bridesmaids, actually. Ah. I'm not going to rain on your parade or anything. Uh, there, there are moments that I think are hilarious, like all the ones that you pointed out. It just doesn't fully come together for me. But I love the part where Melissa McCarthy is like taking like three puppies from the party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And she just raises them for the rest of the movie as like her puppies. So that's definitely a good choice for number one. I, with that, I think that is the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's the top five right there. Awesome. So I just want to use a moment to ask if you guys have any honorable mentions that you want to point out that you were kind of like, oh, man, I right. wish I could put this on, but I couldn't. Uh, Knives Out. Knives is, Out? Uh, yeah. That oh, was- wow. Yeah, that's a good one. It, yeah, it's it's really good, actually. Late Night, which I really liked, mm. um, and Crazy Rich Asians, for some reason, that like that was like, oh, yeah. last minute, I was like, no, I can't do it. It's more like romantic than comedy. So as I was listening to Rico, you say that you didn't include romantic comedies. I just remembered that Love, Simon. I really like that movie. I think it's hilarious. I, I really like that movie, and it is really funny. It, I don't really consider it a comedy. Neither though, do I. So. Neither do I. So that's why it's not on there. A movie that came really close for me was The Other Guys. That's on my honorable mentions. Yeah, that's on my honorable mentions. I think that Wahlberg's hilarious. Will Ferrell is a different type of funny in that movie. And mm-hmm. um, they let Wahlberg shine as like the true comic act in that movie, which I thought was smart. Smart way of yeah. doing that. The Big Sick was very close. It's also on my honorable mentions. <laughs> I I was more in that feels more drama based than comedy, even though there's comedy throughout, but it just feel more drama based. So those were a couple of the honorable mentions for me. Yeah. Uh, in a similar vein to the big sick where it's more drama. Um, I put the favorite. I thought that was really uh, funny. It is funny, but, but it, it's weird. Funny more classically comedy. I put pitch perfect. I just really love that movie. Good one. But it's more of the singing that I like than the actual comedy. I feel that. I feel that yes. in my bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy A was this close to Easy getting on there. A, oh, yes. Yeah. That was really it was. close too. That one, yeah. that one is more of a comedy and it came close, but these other five just made me laugh a little bit more. And then I also have the Lego movie, which I didn't include because it's, you know, animated and I talked about it in gotcha. the animated one, but it is a comedy and it's hilarious. And then I also have 22 Jump Street, which isn't as good as 21, but I might put that on my list. But I didn't want, you know, both of them on the list. For, Is that right. the one where Johnny Depp comes out in the at the end of the movie? That's the first that's 21. One. That's the first that's, one? That's the first one. Wow, y'all. Yeah. This, the only joke that really stands out for me from the second one, from 22, it comes at the very beginning of the movie when they're tr- where they're pretending to be like Mexican uh, <laughs> my drug <name's> guys. <laughs> yeah. My name's Yev. His name's Heavy. <laughs> the scene where Channing Tatum clicks that Schmidt had sex with Ice Cube's daughter is oh, easily the fun, yeah. like the hardest I've laughed in a theater. That's a good one. And then the the closing credits of that film are fantastic as well. Oh yeah, that that really stands out there because obviously people were thinking, oh, we're gonna get more. They just decided, nope, we're gonna show you what could be, and that's it. 
what contract dispute when like <laughs> he gets replaced oh, with Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, before we close out, can you guys just list your top five all in order? I'll start us out. My number five is Midnight Runners from 2017, Korean movie. Number four is Girls Trip from 2017, Three Game Night from 2018. Two is Booksmart from this year. And number one is Bridesmaids from 2011. Awesome. And Rico, what is your top five? My top five and number five, I have Ted starring Mark Wahlberg and Seth MacFarlane. And number four, I have Game Night with Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. And number three, I have 21 Jump Street with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. At number two, I have Booksmart with Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver. And number one, Bridesmaids with Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, and a whole host of other people. Great. And my number five is Booksmart from 2019. Number four was What We Do in the Shadows from 2014. Number three, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World from 2010. Number two, The Grand Budapest Hotel from 2014. And number one was 21 Jump Street from 2012. So I'm pretty impressed with, you know, the wide range of stuff that we got. We got a Korean film in there. Did not expect that. And we got a large range of different types of comedies. So, yeah. And there was a lot of overlap, too, which is nice. So it feels like validating for those films. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. So this has been our Decade Marathon episode on the best comedies of the 2010s. Rico, Jessica, thank you guys so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. I've been a big fan of your podcast since I started on Twitter and you guys have been great with being friendly and reaching out. And it's really great to get to have a discussion with you both. I really like your podcast. Aww. If you guys haven't checked out Always Critic Podcast, I will provide the links. It's um, it's a great podcast. And I love that you guys are like me where you have zero credentials, but you just love talking about film. And um, Yeah, like yes. we just try our yeah, best. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all I do too. <laughs> Sometimes it's better than others, of course. Is yeah. there anything you'd like to plug? I guess I just plugged your podcast, took that away from you. But Yeah, I mean, you can listen to us on all the all the um, different podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and then you can find us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Always Critic Pod. Awesome. And is there a specific film for the rest of the year that you're looking forward to? I've just been trying to ask that. Star Wars, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star Wars is the easy I'm literally one. like such an easy easygoing, even keeled Star Wars fan, but like after today and like all the stress and desperation, I'm like, no. Now I need to see Star Wars like stat. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, for me it's Star Wars, but in just like a couple minutes, it'll be a marriage story. Oh. Uh, oh yeah so <laughs> yeah i'll be watching that in like 10 minutes i still need to watch marriage story and uh the irishman those are the ones i'm looking for i haven't gotten around to seeing that i i oh. saw the irishman i was gonna be like i don't have time for a three and a half hour movie but i literally watched like six hours of star wars today so um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what my excuse I mean, is squeeze it in. <laughs> yeah rico watched the irishman and he was like mm, we need to pump the brakes on that so and uh, I even wrote a review, so if anybody wants to check that out on alwaysthecriticpod.com, uh, they could check out the review that I wrote for it as well. Okay, and so you're a little contrarian on this one, based on what? Um... Uh, yeah. Wow. I actually am a little contrarian. <laughs> okay, so I, I will check that out, and I'll provide the link. That's interesting. Cool. <laughs> the intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. 
If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time when I am joined by my two friends, Ian and David, for a full Star Wars marathon. So that will be out Monday, December 16th, in time to check it out before The Rise of Skywalker. And then I will be continuing the best of the decade next Thursday when Colby Mack comes back to the podcast to run through the top five superhero films of the 2010s. Already dreading cutting some of the films from that. Good luck. Yeah, it's top five for superheroes is is brutal. Not brutal for me because I'm a hater. Uh, so. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it should be Iron Man five times, but okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very excited for all of that, and there's going to be a lot more content coming. So, until then, bye. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.